0: Episode 4. Bloody Mary Give Give movies, oh, my so and... In January 1553, the 15-year-old King Edward VI fell ill with a fever and a cough. His health would remain erratic from then on, often seeming to improve only to later deteriorate. Fearing the restoration of Catholicism and the reversal of Henry VIII's reforms, Edward had disinherited his half-sisters Mary and Elizabeth in favour of the male heirs of his cousin Lady Frances Grey or from her children. Mary Tudor was born in Greenwich on 18 February 1516, the only surviving child of Henry VIII and Catherine of Aragon. Her life was blighted when Henry separated from her mother, and Mary was declared illegitimate following the annulment of their marriage. His next wife, Anne Boleyn, bore Henry another daughter, Elizabeth. On 25 May, John Dudley, the first Duke of Northumberland, held the arranged marriage of 16-year-old Lady Jane Grey to his fourth son, Lord Guildford Dudley, at his opulent London mansion. Lady Jane was married alongside her sister Catherine Grey and her sister-in-law Catherine Dudley in a triple ceremony. Jane was born in the autumn of 1537, the eldest of the three daughters of Lady Frances and Henry Grey, the third Marquess of Dorset. Hers was a high-status family, living at Bradgate House in Leicester. Lady Jane Grey, thin, freckled, with sandy hair and so short in stature that she needed to wear elevator shoes, was Henry VIII's great-niece. As third in line to the throne, she was seen as a valuable asset. On the 6th of July, 1553, King Edward VI, aged 15, died of a possible tuberculosis lung infection. After hearing about Edward's death, Mary Tudor, fearing for her safety, escaped to East Anglia where she owned several estates. From her residence in Kenninghall on 9 July, Mary instructed the Privy Council to declare her as the rightful heir to Edward's throne. Mary, as the rightful heir, had extensive popular support and a growing military force backing her, whereas almost all Northumberland's men had fled. Nevertheless, on 10 July, the council declared Lady Jane as queen and placed her under protection in the chambers of the Tower of London until her coronation. According to reports, Jane received the news of her dethronement joyfully and expressed a desire to return home. Despite holding the title of queen for only nine days, Jane was not allowed to return home. Instead, she was to be held captive in the Tower of London. On 18 August, the Duke of Northumberland, Lady Jane Grey's father-in-law and sponsor was accused of treason and brought to trial at Westminster Hall. He was convicted and executed, beheaded at the Tower of London on the 22nd of August. On 1 October 1553, Stephen Gardiner, an English Catholic bishop, crowned Mary Tudor as Mary I, Queen of England and Ireland, at Westminster Abbey. In November, the court declared Lady Jane guilty of high treason, which resulted in her being sentenced to death. However, Mary showed mercy and spared her life. After investigations, it came to light that Jane's father, Henry Gray Duke of Suffolk, had lent his support to Wyatt's rebellion in opposition to Queen Mary's intention of marrying Philip II of Spain. Consequently, the crown now began to see Lady Jane as a threat. When Mary ascended to the throne in England, Viamigli's opposition to the Catholic Church put him in a difficult situation. As a result, he was put under house arrest for six months, with the threat of capital punishment looming over him. Despite the evident danger, he had consented to engage in a public debate with Cranmer. Fortunately, as a result of Cranmer's imprisonment he ultimately decided against it. The Star Chamber Council summoned Cranmer on the 14th of September 1553 to answer the serious charge of sedition. On that day, after he said his goodbyes to Vermigli, he was taken from the Star Chamber to join Latimer and Ridley in the Tower Prison. Following Cranmer's advice, Vermigli asked permission to leave England, and his request was granted. He reached Strasbourg in late 1553 and was able to resume his original teaching position. Thomas Cranmer and four associates were brought to trial on 13 November, accused of treason, with several witnesses testifying Cranmer had written and promoted heretical works. The verdict was guilty, and they were all condemned to death. On the morning of 12 February, 1554, the authorities took Guildford Dudley from his rooms in the Tower of London to the public execution place at Tower Hill, where he was beheaded. His remains were transported back to the Tower Chapel, known as St. Peter ad Vincula, in full view of the rooms where Jane was staying. Lady Jane was then taken out to Tower Green, inside the tower and beheaded. Jane Grey and Guildford were buried in the chapel of St. Peter ad Vincula on the north side of Tower Green. There was no memorial stone built at their grave. Guildford was only 19, Jane was even younger at 17. The Tower Chapel of St. Peter ad Vincula, St. Peter in Chains, is the former parish church of the Tower of London. Eleven days later, on 23 February, the Crown also executed Jane's father, the Duke of Suffolk. The executions did little to increase Queen Mary's or the government's popularity. Five months after the young couple's death, John Knox, the famous Scottish reformer, wrote of them as, innocents such as by just laws and faithful witnesses can never be proved to have offended by themselves. After executing Jane Grey and other rebels, Mary shifted her focus to the religious leaders of the Reformation. The Privy Council ordered the transfer of Cranmer, Ridley, and Latimer to Bacardo Prison in Oxford on the eighth of March. Situated near the Church of St Michael at Oxford's North Gate, Bacardo was a secure watchtower housing a set of rooms. Mary was the first queen to rule England in her own right. Her principal aim was to halt the English Reformation and restore the Church of England to full communion with the Church of Rome. She was known as Bloody Mary for her persecution and executions of Protestants. Most controversially, over her reign, in a vain attempt to restore Catholicism in England, she ordered 280 Protestants burned at the stake as heretics. Around 1,000 English Protestants, known as the Marian Exiles, left England for religious reasons and to avoid possible imprisonment and execution. The name Marian is derived from medieval times when Mary was a common name. Although initially unwelcome in the German Lutheran territories, the exiles were able to establish English Protestant congregations in various Rhineland towns such as Wiesel, Frankfurt and Strasbourg as well as Swiss cities like Zurich, Basel and Geneva. During their time in exile, the English Protestants had the chance to experience the concepts and customs prevalent within core Calvinist congregations, notably in Reformation-era Geneva, with many expressing a desire to implement these ideas in England upon their return. The Marian Underground During Queen Mary's reign, a secret Protestant church emerged in London, later serving as a precursor to the Elizabethan Underground Church. It was created in response to the Queen's decision to reinstate the Catholic Church as the official religion of England and Wales, and her subsequent persecution of Protestants. At first, the group gathered in private homes and taverns with just 20 individuals. However, as time passed, the attendance swelled to more than 200 people. Notable underground ministers in London included Thomas Rose, John Ruff, Augustine Bernher, and Thomas Bentham who later became Bishop of Coventry and Lichfield under Elizabeth, whilst some including Deacon Cuthbert Simpson and Margaret Mayering were executed alongside John Ruff. At age 37, Queen Mary turned her attention to finding a husband and producing an heir, intending to prevent the Protestant Elizabeth, still next in line, from succeeding her to the throne. Mary was determined to reimpose Catholicism and marry King Philip II of Spain. Neither of these policies was popular, Philip was Spanish and so distrusted, while many in England had a vested interest in the prosperity of the Protestant church, having received church lands and money after Henry had dissolved the monasteries. In 1554, Mary suppressed a rebellion led by Sir Thomas Wyatt, and, taking advantage of the situation, she quickly married Philip. Previously in 1549, Edward VI had published the First Book of Common Prayer. The prayer book, compiled by Archbishop Thomas Cranmer, was essentially a Protestant liturgy created to replace the Roman rite. The Catholic Mass, the central act of medieval worship, would give way to a communion service conducted in English. The prayer book significantly impacted the theology of the Church of England, steering it in a more Lutheran direction. However, there were Protestants who voiced their disapproval of it due to its resemblance to traditional Roman Catholic services. In response to this criticism, Edward VI published his second Book of Common Prayer in 1552. This revision was now intended to be explicitly reformed in its theology. When Mary became queen, she restored Catholicism and revoked the official recognition of Edward's Books of Common Prayer. Edward Grindal was born about 1519 in Cross Hill House, St. B's, near Whitehaven Cumberland. Remarkably, the small village of Saint Bees produced two archbishops in the reign of Queen Elizabeth I. In fact, they were friends, with only five years between them. The two men were Edmund Grindal, Archbishop of Canterbury, Edwin Sandys, Archbishop of York. Grindal was educated at Magdalene and Christ's Colleges and then at Pembroke Hall, Cambridge, where he graduated BA and was elected a fellow in 1538. He obtained his M.A. in 1541, was ordained deacon in 1544, appointed proctor in 1550 and was Lady Margaret Preacher at Cambridge University from 1548 to 1549. Grindal had been a loyal supporter of Edward VI, and although not politically compromised by the events surrounding the accession of Queen Mary, he had resigned his Westminster prebend by 10 May, 1554, making his way to Strasbourg as one of the Marian exiles. In 1546, aged 12, Thomas Cartwright attended Clare College. The son of a yeoman, he was born about 1534 in Royston, Hertfordshire and in 1553 studied divinity at St. John's College, Cambridge. When Mary Tudor became queen, Cartwright's college tutor and future Marian exile Thomas Lever resigned rather than compromise his faith. However, Cartwright waited until 1556 before he resigned eventually finding employment as a clerk to a legal counsellor, which appears to date his conversion to Puritanism. Established in 1326, Clare stands as the second-oldest college at Cambridge. Initially named University Hall, it was later renamed Clare Hall in 1338 after receiving a generous donation from Elizabeth to Clare, the granddaughter of Edward I. The college was again renamed in 1856 and is now known as Clare College. Clare has a history of being a progressive institution. In 1972, it was one of the first three Cambridge colleges to admit undergraduate women. In May 1555, John Whitgift was elected a fellow of Peterhouse College, Cambridge. Born about 1533, he was the eldest son of Henry Whitgift, a merchant of Great Grimsby, Lincolnshire. In 1549 he matriculated at Queen's College Cambridge, moving in May 1550 to Pembroke Hall, where future Protestant martyr John Bradford would be his tutor. He served as the Archbishop of Canterbury from 1583 until he died in 1604. The trial of Thomas Cranmer began on 12 September 1555. At Queen Mary's request, it was held under papal jurisdiction, with the final verdict decided upon by Rome. During interrogation, Cranmer admitted to all the facts but denied treachery, disobedience, or heresy. on the 4th of December, Cranmer was found guilty by the papal court and formally stripped of his archbishopric, giving the English secular authorities free reign to carry out their sentence. The trials of the Protestant bishops Latimer and Ridley followed soon after. They were found guilty and subsequently burned at the stake in Oxford on the 16th of October 1555 Stripped to the waist and tied together, they were burnt in one fire, while Cranmer was forced to watch the gruesome spectacle. Latimer immortalized himself at the stake by exhorting his fellow victim Ridley, We shall this day, light such a candle by God's grace in England as I trust shall never be put out. The first vestment or vestarian controversy emerged during the English Reformation, due to concerns over wearing vestments and clerical dress. The controversy's first wave occurred between 1551 and 1556, marking the Puritans' first significant assault in their campaign for reform. John Hooper had been instructed to wear the surplice and rochet, the white ceremonial vestments integral to his anointment as Gloucester's bishop, in line with the 1549 prayer book. However, he chose not to comply. After seeking advice from Martin Bucer and Peter Martyr, he finally reached a compromise prompted by the threat of action by the Privy Council. Both Busser and Martyr endorsed the stance of the church in the Vesterian dispute. Whilst Vermigli agreed with Hooper's desire to rid the church of elaborate garments, he did not believe they were strictly prohibited. In light of this, he advised Hooper to respect the council and bishop's authority, likely playing a key role in persuading Hooper to abandon his opposition in February 1551. It was not until he had spent some weeks in the fleet prison that this father of nonconformity consented to conform, with Hooper submitting to consecration with the legal ceremonies on 8 March. John Hooper was born in about 1495. He was an English churchman, Anglican bishop of Gloucester and Worcester, a Protestant reformer, and a supporter of the English Reformation. Hooper had found it necessary to leave for the continent on many occasions, however, in May 1549, Hooper finally returned to England. On his return, he became the principal champion of Swiss Calvinism against the Lutherans and Catholics. After Mary became queen, John Hooper assumed the role of advocate for the radical factions within Protestantism. It wasn't long before he found himself in a precarious position, when bishops singled him out for examination and disapproval. After the revival of the Heresy Acts in December 1554, Stephen Gardner, the Bishop of Winchester, finally called Hooper to account on the 22nd of January 1555. Sutton Court offered him temporary refuge, but on 1 September, he was transferred to the fleet prison on a made-up debt charge. In 1554, Queen Mary repealed a series of church laws previously established by Edward VI. One such law was that of clerical celibacy. As a result, Hooper was deprived of his bishopric as he was married. Following up on this, Stephen Gardner, the Bishop of Winchester, further demanded that Hooper renounce and abandon his wife, but Hooper refused. Hooper was condemned to death by burning for heresy on 29 January 1555 by Bishop Gardner and also deprived of all office by Edmund Borner, the Bishop of London. John Fox's Book of Martyrs described Hooper's death and remarked, the executioners used green branches to carry out an awful execution, making three attempts over 45 minutes. During the reign of Queen Victoria, Bishop Hooper was commemorated with a monument in St. Mary's Square Gloucester. The monument was erected close to his former church, where he was burned at the stake, making him a Protestant martyr. It features a statue of Hooper wearing his bishop's robes and mitre, holding a book under his left arm while raising his right hand, offering blessings to those gathered before him. A plaque on the monument reads, Gloria Soli Deo, for the witness of Jesus and the word of God, not accepting deliverance. John Hooper, bishop of Gloucester and Worcester, was burned to ashes on this spot on the 9th of February, 1555. And at Sirlus, a Flemish Protestant activist, was the wife of John Hooper. John had pursued his studies at the University of Basel, crossing paths with Anne. They married in 1547. When her husband became the Anglican Bishop of Gloucester and Worcester, she became one of the first wives of an English bishop. In 1553, Anne faced a dangerous situation after her husband had been imprisoned. Concerned for her family's well-being, she left John behind, travelling overseas with some companions from Blackfriars Gloucester. Anne wrote her last surviving letter, to Bulliner, the godparent of her daughter, asking him to publish one of her husband's writings. In 1555, Anne Hooper and her daughter Rachel died of the plague in Frankfurt, the same year her husband was executed. Between January and mid-February 1556, Cranmer gave way to pressure to recant his Protestantism. In his first four recantations, he submitted himself to the authority of the king and queen and recognized the pope as head of the church. First imprisoned in Bacardo, he was moved to the dean of Christchurch's home, where he spent some time debating with a Dominican friar regarding papal supremacy and purgatory. On the 14th of February, he was degraded from holy orders and returned to Bacardo. He had conceded very little, and Edmund Borner was not satisfied with his admissions. On the 24th of February, a writ was issued setting the date of Cranmer's execution for the 7th of March. And so, two days after the writ was issued, a fifth recantation was issued by Cranmer. In it, Cranmer repudiated all Lutheran and Zwinglian theology, fully accepting Catholic theology, including papal supremacy and transubstantiation, proclaiming that there was no salvation for any outside the Catholic Church he announced his joy at returning to the Catholic faith, asked for and received sacramental absolution, and was allowed to participate in the Mass. His execution was postponed, and on the 18th of March, Cranmer, now a broken man, issued one final recantation, confessed his sins. Even though the law specifically stated that heretics who recant should be spared, Mary remained resolute in her decision to execute him she declared his iniquity and obstinacy against God and your grace too immense for either clemency or mercy to intervene, instructing the authorities to proceed with his execution. On the 21st of March, the day of his execution, Bishop Borner told Cranmer that he could make a final recantation, but this time to do it publicly during a service at the university church. Cranmer began with a prayer before urging obedience to the king and queen. However, he deviated unexpectedly from his prepared speech, renouncing all his previous recantations. They quickly pulled him from the pulpit and took him to the site in Oxford where Latimer and Ridley had burned six months previously. There, he rejected the Pope, calling him Christ's enemy and Antichrist, and fulfilling his promise of self-punishment for signing his recantations, he placed his right hand into the fire first. His last words were, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. I see the heavens open and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. In the 16th century, St. Michael at the Northgate Church in Cornmarket sat at the extreme northern boundary of Oxford. The city walls had a ditch adjacent to them. Waste ground lay beyond that ditch, on what is now the site of Broad Street. The three Protestant martyrs of Oxford, Ridley, Latimer, and finally Cranmer, were burnt at the stake here.